Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Coming up in this episode... Violet, Klaus and Sonny were intelligent children. Charming and resourceful. They had pleasant facial features, but they were extremely unlucky. Most everything that happened to them was rife with misfortune, misery and despair. I'm sorry to tell you this. Melissa Cobb. Vice President of Kids and Family at Netflix discusses how the US streamers programming for younger audiences and aiming to work with creatives on the global stage. And... Uh-oh. Alvin's jumping on the diving board again. Not again. Alvin! Sarah Muller, Vice President of Children's and Youth Programming at Sony Pictures Television Networks, explains how the company is developing its pop children's brand and eyeing a move through it into original production. We'll be hearing from Muller and Cobb shortly, as well as C21 Kids editor Nico Franks reporting back from the Kids Screen Summit in Miami. But first, a rundown of some of the news highlights from C21 Media this week. The BBC unveiled its biggest ever commitment to natural history programming, promising new instalments in its hugely popular Planet franchise over the next few years. Perfect Planet, due in 2020, will blend natural history and earth sciences, while Frozen Planet 2 will return audiences to the Arctic and Antarctic 10 years on from the 2011 original. Planet Earth 3, meanwhile, billed as the BBC's most ambitious natural history landmark ever undertaken, will air in 2022. All this comes as Netflix gears up for the release of Our Planet, its first foray into blue chip natural history, upping pressure on the pubcaster in yet another area. For a more in-depth report on this, see the C21 Pro 2019 Factual Futures Report, publishing on our website daily now. Big news from Berlinale, where Netflix unveiled a new Norwegian horror anthology called Unorthodox and a new German thriller called Biohackers. Amazon announced a new German drama from Constantine Television set in West Berlin's drug scene in the 1970s and The Power, based on a science fiction novel from Naomi Alderman, with the UK's sister pictures producing. Mexican and Indian originals are also on the Amazon slate, revealed at the TCA Winter Tour in California, where Hulu Senior Vice President of Originals Scott Airwich said he didn't expect his company's investment in content to slow when Disney acquires 21st Century Fox's stake in the business later this year. Hulu offered a teaser of its upcoming George Clooney-helmed adaptation of Joseph Heller's Catch-22 and announced new series Reprisal and The Great. Also at the TCAs, Discovery International launched a new unit to develop, commission, co-produce and distribute kids' animated and live-action content. More on this story in a moment from C21 Kids editor Nico Franks. But for now, that's your roundup of just some of the stories from C21 Media in the past few days. Delve into the website for many more. Coming up a little later, Netflix children's boss Melissa Cobb and Sony Pictures Television Network's Kids Chief Sarah Muller. As mentioned just now, the Kids Screen Summit has been taking place in Miami this week and C21 Kids editor Nico Franks was there covering all the developments. I spoke with him via Skype and started off by asking him about the standout conference sessions. Uh, so there was a really interesting public broadcaster panel on the Tuesday, uh, which had the bosses of the kids' departments at uh, France Television, the BBC and PBS Kids in the US, and also uh, Catherine Tate, who's president of CBC in Canada. Um, and they were talking about basically the, the challenges and the, the difficulties public broadcasters face in, a, in an environment where younger kids are, are on YouTube and older kids are on Netflix. So obviously they're trying to wrestle 
eyeballs away from those platforms back to their own. What have been the big stories this week? CBC, you mentioned there, they had a big announcement about their investment in kids' TV. Yeah, so this has been brewing for a, for a few months now, but this was Catherine Tate giving a few more details and talking about specific programming uh, that's going to be commissioned and uh, launched uh, specifically for their SVOD service, uh, CBC Gem. So this is them recognising that they've spent too many years ignoring kids above the age of preschool age. They're very strong in preschool, but not so much uh, for older kids. So now they're trying to reach school-aged and tween audiences with new programming, some of which will be live action. Um, so they're going to have their first original kids scripted series for CBC Gem coming through, um, and also uh, factual content. Uh, they're wanting to establish themselves as a, as a place for trustworthy content in an era where kids can you know, search for anything on the internet, and often what they find is not necessarily true. So they're doubling down on their commitment to young audiences, uh, which is obviously good to see, but obviously a lot of that programming is going to be for online, so producers are, are interested to see how, how important linear rights will be to CBC for older kids going forward. And Discovery has some big news as well. They've launched a new kids division, is that right? Yeah, so this is born out of their original programming push in Latin America, where they have a, a channel, a pay TV channel called Discovery Kids. And now they have a new unit called Discovery Kids Media, which is going to create programming for Discovery Kids and also be distributed internationally. So they're going to target their shows all around the world. And they've hired uh, Danielle Davies, who's uh, London-based, uh, a veteran distribution exec, and uh, she's going to be in charge of getting those shows around the world. What about any other big stories that have been coming out of Kids Screen? So this year marked the debut of a new fledgling producer and distributor called Moonbug, which is basically the brainchild of uh, Renee Rackman, formerly of Maker Studios, and former Wild Brain uh, managing director John Robson, who set up a new company last year, raised investment, and use that to acquire uh, Little Baby Bum, which is uh, a bit of a preschool phenomenon on YouTube, um, and it's also available on services like Netflix. Um, so they followed up that acquisition of that YouTube channel with a few more YouTube channels that are very popular among preschoolers. And what they're doing is buying those platforms and then basically raising the, the quality of those shows, making them a bit more refined, and potentially establishing them as global brands rather than successful YouTube brands. So among the traditional shows, as it were, though, what, what have been the, the standouts? What are the ones that there's been most buzz about? Well, it's funny, actually. I realised yesterday that I hadn't actually spoken to anyone or no one had mentioned a single traditional programme to me yet at the whole event. Because I think that's basically because the business models in kids um, are changing so rapidly and kids producers and kids distributors and kids broadcasters are basically at the coalface of how everything is changing in TV lands. So people are just busy trying to get their heads around, you know, how their next deal is going to look rather than uh, what shows kids are watching. But um, so I was speaking to buyers yesterday and... Um, they were talking about Moon and Me, which is the, the new series from Teletubbies co-creator Andrew Davenport. And true to style of Andrew Davenport, it's a very distinctive series. And a lot of broadcasters are, are kind of waiting for one another to take the leap, take a leap of faith on it, uh, because it is so unique. So they're slightly wary of it from the sounds of it. But as another broadcaster said to me, you know, that's how everyone looked at Teletubbies the first time that came out all those years ago. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how Moon and Me takes off and whether or not 
broadcasters are brave enough to, to take a take a risk on something that they they see as different in you know breaking the preschool mold slightly uh, and see if they can kind of recreate the success that some of Andrew Davenport's former creations have have had. And how big a talking point has the launch of Disney Plus, Warner Media's upcoming OTT service, and the arrival of Apple on the scene been? Well, because it's slightly unclear exactly how all those services are going to look. People haven't really been able to talk in specifics about those services, but what's clear is that SVOD rights are becoming more and more important, um, and distributors are really caught in the middle between Netflix and these traditional broadcasters who now are prioritising those SVOD rights that previously were able to go to Netflix fairly simply. Apple are doing deals in the in the background, but I understand they are in talks with lots of producers. Various producers are developing shows for them. From the looks of it, what Apple is doing is it's, it's skipping that period that Netflix had, for example, where they acquired lots and lots of library programming from distributors to establish their brand and bring in subscribers and then move on to original programming. What Apple's doing is going straight to the original programming and basically commissioning maybe a, a smaller batch of shows, but very well-known brands and very premium series with high budgets. For you, has that been the the real story then? The uncertainty, I suppose, in the market, as you say, particularly around deal structures moving forwards, the discovery of new talent in the online space, but um, also some of the challenges of bringing that to the market. Yeah, there was an interesting panel of uh, distributors talking about how, how their business is changing. And, and one of the panelists said that it's a matter of months now that a deal structure can be unrecognisable compared to the last one. So things are changing very, very quickly. So yeah, I'd say that was that was one of the main things that come out of it is it's just how rapidly things are changing and with the arrival of a new service or a change a slight tweak in strategy of a different service, then the knock-on effect can be massive for, for lots of other deals. And also there's a bit of a chasm appearing between companies like Moonbug who are basically circumventing the traditional way of doing things by developing shows and waiting for them to create an audience. They're going straight for IP that's established it's an audience on, on YouTube, usually created by people outside of the traditional kids circuit and they told me when I spoke to them and we'll be able to hear more from them next week on the podcast about how they're able to create an animated program now in a matter of weeks based on data that they're looking at and have access to through their YouTube channel so they're analyzing the data and looking at where the opportunities are for kind of inspiration basically for new episodes of their shows and you compare that to the traditional way of doing kids tv which it might take two weeks to even set up a meeting with a broadcaster rather than uh, actually make the episode and so that process is so radically different to how kids tv is traditionally operated where it takes years for a show to uh, to go from development onto the screen okay well thanks very much nico we look forward to reading more of your stories coming out of kids screen we'll let you get back to the conference and also we'll be hearing from you next week in your full report in the c21 podcast to come Staying with the children's TV theme, C21 TV had the chance to sit down recently with Netflix Vice President of Kids and Family, Melissa Cobb. She joined the US streamer 18 months ago from DreamWorks Animation and explained the journey she's been on so far. What I really am focusing on is content that works for every member of the family. From the youngest preschool children all the way up to 
the preteen kids and then content for the kids and family to watch together. One of the shows that's been really fantastic for us is a preschool show called Super Monsters. It has just a great idea, which is uh, preschool kids who turn into monsters. And I think kids really relate to that and parents relate to that as well. And that's been uh, a fun show for us to be able to produce. And it's also our first real consumer product show. So we work to create a toy line where the kids can then uh, engage with the characters off the service, playing with them in their own rooms and having a lot of fun exploring the world of monsters. At Netflix we've had a great successful partnership with DreamWorks Animation. Why is the baby in a suit? <laughs> One of those shows, Boss Baby, we've seen it work all over the world, which is just incredible and exciting for us to have a show really take off like that. And we will continue to look for great partnerships like that with companies all over the world. We're thrilled to have Jorge Gutierrez now creating a show for us called Maya and the Three, which will be a limited series about a female warrior set during Mesoamerican period. Uh, done in his very signature style that I think will be appealing to audiences all over the world. One of the new areas of focus for us at Netflix Kids and Family is animated features. One of those people that we're really excited to be working with is Glenn Keane. He's an incredibly just sort of brilliant and generous storyteller and uh, he so far is having a great experience on Netflix. We were thrilled that we were recently able to announce a, a big collaboration with the Roald Dahl Story Company to take some of the beautiful books that Roald Dahl has written over the years and to create what will be limited series in animation for our Netflix audience. He's shown the shape, he's shown the shape. He even mucks about with those who cannot bleed. As we look to the future and figuring out what programs, we really think about our audience being very global. And so we don't necessarily think specifically about what genre, we really think about our audience and making sure that for every member of the family, there's a great show wherever they are in the world and whatever age they are, whatever stage of development they are. An extract of Melissa Cobb from Netflix in conversation with C21 TV. You can watch the full video interview on our site where you'll also find another this week with Sarah Muller, Vice President of Children and Youth Programming at Sony Pictures Television Networks. Muller, who joined Sony a year ago from Viacom's Channel 5, explains how the firm is evolving its pop children's brand and eyeing a move through it into original production. Here's an extract from that. I'm very lucky because the pop channels in the UK, which is really the flagship for Sony's children offering, are the commercial number one channel group in the UK. So they've done fantastic work, so I arrived with it in very good shape. What we'll be looking to do moving forward is making sure we take that success and move it into the changing landscape. Where are children? Where are children going to be in the future? And making sure that they can find Sony's pop channels wherever they are. The success that the Sony pop channels have had has been historically driven by having the best of pay in the free environment because pop channels are free to air in the UK. And that meant a whole slew of children didn't automatically have access to great content like Miraculous, Alvin and the Chipmunks, PJ Masks. They were all sitting behind a paywall. And obviously not every family can make that decision or commitment either financially or just on a social level, it's not what they want to do. So we were able to make that content available to them. We provided that showcase, that shop window. But that meant we were on a very much a free linear rights package. And that isn't what we need to supply moving forward. The audience is incredibly smart. They've got an awful lot of choice. They're very sophisticated. And we have to make sure we can be there. We have just launched on PlayStation, on PlayStation 4. The pop-up is now there. So I think it's about 
making the brand more widely available through different sympathetic platforms in the future, working out what those are and working hard on partnerships. Interesting. At the moment, everything is acquired because that's been the very successful model and it's delivered much in terms of value again to both Sony and the audience. Moving forward, we'll be looking at different ways of working and certainly one of the areas we're looking at is how we might all work very closely together as one Sony, keeping everything within the circled wagons and making sure that we all benefit. I mean, obviously already working with PlayStation, starting to talk to Sony Music and having early conversations with the animation division who are world-class about what this will look like for the children's network business. I would like to think because of my own personal background that we will be moving away from the total acquisition model because you can't secure the rights that you're going to need to offer a 360 plurality of vision to your consumer. And I do have a background in production, in funding things, in developing things and finding shows. And there will be a myriad of different models because you know there are, particularly within children's, more so than in our adult counterpoints, ways of finding building a relationship and a business model around different projects. So I'd like to think we could pre-buy in the future, do all sorts of different things. Sarah Muller from Sony Pictures Television Networks. Remember, you can watch the full C21 TV video interview on our site now. Find out more about all those stories from Kids Screen, Berlin Ali, and across the global TV industry. Stay up to date with the news by following C21 online, on Twitter, and on mobile. And listen out for next week's podcast with our kids editor, Nico Franks. That's all we have time for in this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>